0: Good morning, One Church. Y'all doing well? Fantastic. Uh, it is such a blessed time just to be, hang out with you guys during this Christmas season. Um, love singing Christmas songs. I love the band. Can we just give it up one more time for the band? They are fantastic. I love our worship leaders, uh, Justin and Michael. Uh, what, so I, one of the reasons I love them is what you see on stage is exactly what they are off stage. And they're very real and I just love them a lot. And by the way, that girl who sang at the end, she's my wife. And um, so, yeah, and by the way, she ran a marathon yesterday, her first marathon, and I'm just going to confess to you, uh, as your pastor, they say confession is good for the soul, I am more tired than she is of just trying to actually go to the different places she was at, she ran 26.2, I think, I like walked two, and I was about to die, so um, if my energy level's a little bit down, just know um, i walked two miles, so there you go. <coughs> Merry Christmas. Anyway, uh, and I do want to join. I just want to welcome you guys. If this is your first time with us, you're our honored guest. I also want to welcome our VIPs. Our volunteers are very important here at One Church. Thank you guys so much. We can't do what we do without you guys because we're on the same team. And also, if you're watching online, just want to be able to say, uh, give a party welcome and uh, we're in week 3 of our series entitled God with us and it's a great time if this is your first time here you've actually showed up kind of right smack dab in the middle let me kind of tell you where we've been we looked at the first week we looked at this whole idea of God being with us and that the power of God being with, with us and that really the best christmas present that you can receive is this idea of Emmanuel God with us last week we looked at that God is actually for us he's not against us he is for us and the great thing about this whole idea is that we could do no, when we could do nothing for God, He did everything for us. You couldn't, God did, so that we could. Today, where we're landing today is we're looking at the idea of God through us, that God wants to work through us. What could God do? Through us? What might God do through your life this Christmas season? What might God do through your one and only life where you could actually make a difference in other people's lives? How are you going to make your life for God really count this Christmas season? How can you shine in a world addicted to darkness? We're going to be looking at three passages from the Bible today and uh, one of these things is that we've been kind of doing this almost a theme looking at three different passages and today we're going to connect the dots of something that's an overarching theme not only in the Christmas story but especially in the Bible. And the passage I just want to throw out really quickly that we've been coming back to time after time and a time after again in this series uh, is, is found in Luke chapter two, and that was made uh, popular by uh, the great theologian Linus uh, Van Pelt from Charlie Brown. See, some of you didn't know his last name was Van Pelt. You got to pay attention, all right? You learn something here at One Church, all right? So, Luke chapter two, verses eight and nine says this: That night, in the fields. Near Bethlehem, some, some shepherds were guarding their sheep. All at once, an angel came down to them from the Lord, and the what? And the brightness of the Lord's glory flashed around them. You see, not only did the angels fill the sky with song, they filled the sky with light, with light. And at the same time, early astronomers, thousands of miles away, we seen carols about them called the three kings or the wise men, and we don't know if there were three at all. We just know that magi from the east saw a light up in the sky, and that this light was drawing them to where the Messiah, Jesus Christ, would be born. So they took a long, arduous trip, probably by camel, it was a bright light. And these wise men gathered up everything and made this huge long trek. Probably, they came from the area known as we now today is know as Iraq. But God has this thing about light, and it's all through the Scripture and the role that light plays in the world and what light does to darkness. We see it all through the Christmas story, and in every Christmas, you and I participate in this whole idea of, idea of the fixation of lights. In fact, somewhere, if, somewhere in this Christmas decoration this year, you've ever wrapped a dead tree with lights, or you've taken lights and you put them on the outside of the house, you have participated in God's biblical tradition of lights. Now, some of you, some of you even have sweaters that light up. And I'm I'm just going to stop right there because I was going to go forward, but I don't want to offend anyone, all right? I don't have one of those sweaters, and that's probably the reason why I would make fun of you because I'm bitter because I don't have one, all right? But here's my point. Here's my point. Just so that you know, when you and I decorate with lights, you are participating in this great tradition that God has with lights, all right? Now, how many of y'all, let me see your hands. You've actually actually wrapped a Christmas tree this season with lights, or you've put lights up on the outside of a house. Let me see you. All right. That's most of you. All right. Thank, I'm going to embarrass. Uh, how many of y'all have not? All right. Come, thank you. Thank you for being honest. Sarah, I see that hand. Thank you. Uh, I, I'm not going to embarrass you and I'm not going to call your name in front of everybody, Sarah. So no worries, Sarah Murphy. It's all right. Anyway. Um, <clears throat> but for, for those of you, if you've not decorated yet, I, you know, again, I'm not a hater. You know, a haters going to hate. That's not me. But I want to show you a video That just might get you in the Christmas spirit this season. And this video is from taken from a house out in the suburbs of Meridian, Idaho. All right. And I want you to watch what they did with lights and just see how far they've raised the bar on decorating with lights. Watch this. Guys, I don't know if God is in that, but that is awesome, right? I don't know if God's up in heaven going, I, I, either if he's happy or annoyed, but that's the fishiest net. I'm just going to go ahead and tell you, all right? That is a family's house. Imagine if you're the next-door neighbor. What you experienced was 20 seconds of a 12-minute light show that is broadcast 18 to 20 times a night. (laughs) Yes, right? I mean, can you imagine you're the next door neighbor and you see James coming out with all the lights and it's September, right? And you're going, really? You're going to do this again? Skrillex for Christmas? Are we going to really have a dubstep Christmas? Really? (laughs) Let me tell you what that family in Meridian, Idaho, they are participating in the biblical tradition of lights. All right, because here's the thing we see all throughout the scripture, but especially during christmas We see that god has this thing about Light so if you have a bible go ahead and turn with your bibles Or if you have the bible app go ahead and go there and hit the live event But we're going to be going literally from the very beginning almost to the very end of the bible And we're going to be looking at this whole idea of lights of lights now What we're going to do is I want you to turn, if you have a Bible, we give away free from one church, I would ask you to turn to page one. We are going to the very beginning because the very beginning is a very good place to start. Alright, so we're going to go there, and in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, before we dive in, one of the things I always like to do with you guys is I like to give you guys context of where we're going to be going, and you know, anytime we open up God's Word, we're always entering into a bigger story, of God's bigger story. So let me give you the context of Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, found on page 1 of your Bible. Ready? There's nothing. That's it. Alright, that's the context. There is nothing... Except for God. God has always been. He will always will be. And in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, we read this. In the beginning, God said, let there be light. And there was light. God spoke, let there be light. God spoke it, and it became, and it was so. I'll keep on reading, verse 4. And God saw that the light was good. Then he separated what? The light from the darkness. You see, here's what's so cool about this the, the power of God not only can create everything around us that we can see, but he can create something from nothing. Nothing. Literally, that just by speaking it into existence. God looks out into the darkness and he says, Let there be what? Light, and there was light. He created something from nothing. Where light never existed before, when he spoke it, it showed up. That's the power of God that you and I can know. A God that speaks, and it happens. It just is. This is the same God who can speak peace in the midst of your storm that you're going with right now. Some of you, you're here, and you are smack dab in the middle of some circumstances that are falling apart all around you. And you have something inside of you, this God with us, who's God for us, who wants to do something through you, and he can speak peace into your life, and it will be peace, even though everything around you is swirling and falling apart. God can speak hope into your deepest fears and anxieties, your fear of always living your life alone, your fear of never getting married, your fear of now that you are married that it may end in divorce. God can speak hope into hopeless situations, and hope is just, it just shows up. God can speak love into your deepest pain, into the pain that you thought defined you, into the pain that you thought was the end of your story, that pain of not having someone to spend the rest of your life with, of having lost your spouse because of an accident because of death, that pain of uh, losing a child, that pain of never being able to give birth to a child. And even though you've asked and asked God, that pain that you thought would define you, God can speak peace, hope, and love right in the midst of your pain. And it will just be. What's so powerful and what's so amazing is that God not only spoke light into the darkness, but that he, when the light just showed up, it just began to grow and grow and grow. It grew exponentially. That when God spoke the universe into existence, it grows and continues to grow. Let me kind of give you just some astronomy stuff, an astronomy course, real quick. Because let me tell you, for hundreds and hundreds of years, what astronomy, what astronomers, what they thought and what scientists thought is that the universe was static. The universe had a beginning and it had an end. It was kind of like um, the edges of the world or the earth, right? That many times uh, uh, the people who were uh, captains of ships, they would go and you you wouldn't want to venture off too far off the map, right? Because there was an edge. And that's how people thought of the universe, that it was static, that it had an end. But there was an astronomer and scientist by the name of Hubble. You may have heard of his telescope. And, and he began to look at the universe differently. Hubble said, no, all the assumptions about a dynamic universe might be totally false, of this static universe. Then the more he began to look and the deeper he began to look into the stars, into the universe, he began to notice that things were not static, they were actually dynamic. And that the universe was, in fact, actually growing and expanding, that things were not standing still, but they were moving as though it was spoken from one point and the words just went out and it began to spread out. Though many scientists cannot agree on the origin of the universe, almost every scientist now agrees that the universe, as far as we can tell, has no end. There are no edges. We We can see far, but there's always something farther to see. In fact, the further and further we look, we see more and more and more. In fact, let me show you right now the, the farthest recorded star that we have. Here's a picture of it. All right? You see it? Isn't that amazing? <laughs> you really can't see it. It's on the kind of the bottom left-hand corner, and it's a little red dot. I don't know if we have that other picture in there. You might want to throw that up. If you don't, that's cool. Uh, but it's a little red dot, and that star is now 13.1 billion light years away. With, our, with the best technology that we have, we can now see that there is a star 13.1 billion light years and away. And the more we keep seeing, our universe actually is growing. And what's so amazing about this picture, there it is, right there. What's so amazing about this picture is I took this picture from my iPhone. Um, it's amazing just the resolutions these cameras have on them these days. If you, by the way, if you don't have an Apple product, all right, there you go. All right. But anyway, what an amazing concept, right? But here's the thing. Just as we look back in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, And in the beginning, God spoke and light happened. We're going to see see the same theme found in the gospel of John. All right, And as as the disciple John was trying to wrap his head around some of the reality of light and what was spoken into existence by God, as as John was coming around to give an account of Jesus' life, when John sat down to write the Christmas story, he doesn't start in a manger. He doesn't start in 0 AD. He doesn't start any of that. Uh, he, he goes way, way, way back. And just as Matthew gives so much of the details found in the birth of Jesus, and as Luke gives us the timing of when Jesus was born, in John chapter 1, verse 1, John goes way back. In fact, before we go to John 1, l- l- let me just put up Genesis 1.1. Can we say these words together? Here's Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God said. All right, now, here's John 1.1. In the beginning was the what? John is using this to describe Jesus, that Jesus is the word. Again, how did light come into existence in Genesis 1.1? God what? Said. He spoke it. Right? And John says, Jesus is the word. That literally a word spoken, that Jesus is the word of God, the, the truth of God, and that God embodied and came incarnate, and his name is Jesus. I'm going to keep on going. In the beginning was the word, and the word was what? With God. That's the entire name of the series we're going to. That means that he is the member, he is the member of a trinity. That there's, that there's this idea of a Trinity, and there's God the Father, there's God the Son, and there's God the Holy Spirit. And some of you are asking, uh, and it's one God with three persons. Some of you are asking, how can I explain that? I can't, right? I can't. Jesus never did explain it when he was here on earth. And if Jesus didn't explain it, then I'm just going to deuce out on this one and say, I just got to believe it, right? All right? But here's this idea that Jesus was, was actually present during creation. In fact, we read that Jesus is actually the one who is creating it of the Trinity. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, that the Word is God. What John is doing here is he's revealing the divinity of Jesus. I'm going to keep on going. Through him, all things were made, and without him, nothing was what? Nothing was made that has been made. And what he's saying is it was Jesus Christ who actually created the heavens and the earth. Now listen to this. In him was what? Life. And that life was the? That's it. That life was the light of all mankind. And the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. Just as God spoke light by the creation of the world, just as God spoke light into darkness and separated the light from the darkness, that light was not only spoken from God and the light prevailed, darkness has yet to extinguish the light that God has spoken into this world. Jesus is saying, John is saying this, that God not only spoke light into creation, but God literally spoke light through his son, Jesus Christ. The God who spoke light into existence... From however long ago that was, he became the light of the world so that we might see God. The first light that God spoke allowed us to see with our eyes, right? You got light, okay, I can see flowers, I can see my hands, I can see the stage, I can see people. But the second light that God spoke is so that we could actually see God. Because Jesus said this later, he says, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. That God, Jesus, is actually light. And that's the reason why we sing at Christmas. That's the reason why we sing almost every Christmas song that we want to and we just come here 52 weeks of the year and we just worship. It's the reason why we worship, again, because we need to be reminded that we have seen the light. When you've seen the light, you've seen God. Everything changes in the light, isn't it? How many of you all got up last night and stumbled to the darkness to use the bathroom and stub your toe. Anyone stub your toe last night? All right. Anybody ever done that? What does that make you want to do? Thank you. That's exactly right. I don't know if I can say cuss on stage, but that's what it makes me want to do, right? Just like, right? Something, though, when you flip on that light, very rarely do we ever stub toes. We do sometimes, if you're me, all right? But, I mean, very rarely because we can see, right? And Jesus became light. Now, I like what we're going to do because for the rest of the day and the rest of our time that we have together, we're going to look at the last passage of Scripture. And we're going to see that Jesus, who became light, he grew up, and for 33 years, he lived a perfect life, and he started his ministry at age 30, and the most popular sermon that he ever preached, and the longest one is found in Matthew chapter 5, 6, 7, and 8. You know it as the sermon on the what? Mount. In fact, here's a picture. All right, Sermon on the Mount. This is the actual place where Jesus actually preaches Sermon. Now, if you're in Tennessee, we don't call this a mount, right? We call this a flat, right? If you in Iowa, you call this a mount. You in Kansas, I'm like, oh my gosh, look at the purple mountains' majesty. No, so this is your backyard, right? So it's kind of a sloping hill, and Jesus is sitting on this mount, the Sermon on the Mount, and he starts to deliver this masterfully, this wonderful peace that just comes to him because he is the word made flesh. And he takes this metaphor of light and he pushes it even further. Look what he says in Matthew chapter 5, verse 14. Jesus says, you are the light of the world. John declared, Jesus is the light of the world, and Jesus says, no, 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 you are the light of the world. You are actually the light of the world, you are. And if you've seen God, and you know God, then you know this, that you are the light of the world. This is the light of God saying, you are now the light of a dark world that is addicted to darkness. You are the light of the world, and then he goes on, he says this, a town built on a hill cannot... Be hidden. Look at this picture. This is a city that is on a hill. And here's the thing about the, some of the characteristics of a city on a hill. Is that number one, it's large. Your eye is always drawn to it. Two, many times people can use that as a focal point as they're walking. Three, you cannot hide that. Unless there is a major blackout. You cannot hide a city on a hill. When you see a city on a hill, you can't hide that. In fact, you're drawn to it. A city on a hill becomes a marker, a place for you to look at. And Jesus says, that is what you and I, if we know Jesus Christ, that's what we're supposed to be like. That you are a town set on a hill. That your life should not be hidden away. Your life is not insignificant. Your life not only matters, your life is meant to be on display for all to see. Jesus says, you are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. And then he goes on and says this in verse 15. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. That just makes no sense at all, right? It's like turning on a lamp in your house and then throwing a blanket over it. You wouldn't do that. Number one, it's a fire hazard. Right? Number two, the whole point of turning on a light is, for, is to do what? To see. To see. I mean, no, I mean, if you, threw a, if you threw a blanket over a lamp, it would go up in flames. There would be smoke, and I got bronchitis, and ain't nobody got time for that. Right? <laughs> just saying. Wouldn't do that. Why would you have the light of God in you only just to cover it up? Only just to deny its brilliance. Keep on reading. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to what? Everyone in the house. Everyone stumbling and fumbling through a world of darkness. Everyone who desperately desires hope and life. It gives hope and life and light to everyone. I love that. In the same way, keep on reading. Let your light shine before others. And we're going to stop right here. If you had to fill in, what comes after that? Let your life shine before others so that they may see your good theology. Let your light shine before others that they may see the right answers. And let your light shine before others so that they can see how well you pick at other people. Let your light shine before others so that you can argue and, 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 and be right all the time. That's not what it says. Let me keep on reading it. Verse 16. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your what? Good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. They will see your good deeds. They will see your good deeds like giving gift cards to the needy families at Northeast High School. They will see your good deeds like helping out and partnering with Radical Mission as they continue to help families who've lost it all or homeless people who have nothing. Let your your good deeds become an act of worship. That someone sees as light. That they will recognize the source of the light. That they don't glorify you. No, 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 it's not about you. but They glorify who? Your Father in heaven. That they will see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. You and I have been invited by the God who spoke light into existence. You and I have been invited by the God who became light. To illuminate the way for everyone. You and I have been invited by that God to actually be light in a world addicted to darkness. At your work, in your home, among your friends, at your school, wherever you go, with with whomever you're with, no excuse is big enough, or get this, no place is dark enough for you to be the light. But But Chris, you don't understand. You don't know the job that I live in. You don't know the job that I'm at Monday through Friday from nine until whenever or seven until whenever. And I know you work at a church pastor, but I, you know, in my job it's so bad. I don't even I don't even I don't speak about God. I don't even speak. It's just it's a dark place. Question. Where do you put a light? Don't answer. But what but you, you don't understand, my boss is just, he is a mean, angry man. And he says, you know what, if, if you don't do it this way, and, and you got to cut corners here, and you got to fudge here, that if you don't do this, then I might lose my job. I can't be light in there. What do you put a light? Chris, listen, my family is so jacked up. They put the dis and dysfunctional, Right? I mean, th- there's been so much abuse. There's been so much anger and blow-ups. There's been so, my, my, my dad, my mom have had so many other spouses. I don't even know if this person sitting beside me right now may be my step-brother. I just don't even know. You don't, stop. Where do you put a light? Okay, Chris, at, I understand where you come from, but I am a school teacher. In, in school, I may lose my job if I talk about God. I mean, and, and, and I'm just, I'm here to, I'm not even teaching the kids anymore. I'm just filling out paperwork about wanting to teach the kids one day, right? I mean, the thing, the reason why I got into teaching, I'm not even doing that anymore. And, and, and I, I definitely can't talk about God, that whole separation of church and state. You know, it's in the Constitution, right? Stop. Where do you put a light? I'm in the army, Right? I mean, the people that I'm with, I mean, they are just I I like them and I and I, I trust them in battle. But it's just it's hard to be a Christian in the army. Where do you put light? Answer in darkness. That's where you put light. You see, you may live in a really dark spot. That just means you're gonna shine greater. It just is. That's not an excuse. That actually is more of an opportunity that God can change the world through you. Man, one of the things, I I loved going to seminary, going to Dallas Seminary. I was there for four years, and um, I loved, loved seminary. I loved learning about God, Jesus, the Bible, all this stuff. Let me tell you the one thing I hated about Dallas, and that was the entire four years I was in Dallas, I never once saw a star. You want to know why? Because the ambient light of the city right? There was no, I didn't, there wasn't any trees. They call these little live oaks, these little shrubs, you know, they call them trees. I do not a tree, right? So it's just not, I, I love nature and you just, it was, it was difficult for me while I was there because I couldn't see the stars. Why? There was too much light in the sky. Some of you are complaining, it's just too dark. Let me tell you, when it gets really dark, guess what you can see up in the sky? Man, I'll tell you, I'll never forget. When I was touring with a, a tour group uh, for four years, first year I went to Oregon. And I remember in the middle of the night, we kind of slept outside. like uh, It was in a cul-de-sac, so we slept in the cul-de-sac. I was not a smart person. Um, but I remember looking up and seeing all of these brilliant stars. And you could actually see satellites go overhead. Anybody ever seen that? I mean, they, they look like a really faint star, but they go really fast across the sky. Man, when it's dark... That's when lights are supposed to shine. So my question is this, and this is our big idea. What is your life reflecting right now? What is your life reflecting? Whether you're a teacher or a student, I know that there may be tons of darkness around you, but what is your life reflecting? If we take something as powerful as the Hubble telescope and we examine your life, if we put you up on the screen and said, guys, what do you think their life is all about? What is it that they value? What is it? That, what are their priorities? What is the thing that drives his life or her life? If we were to ask your kids, kids, uh, what is daddy's life? What drives daddy's life right now? What do you think they would say? Ladies, if we were to ask your husband, what matters most to you? What do you think drives her? What is she reflecting right now? Maybe more specific to our conversation this morning is, is who? Whom are you reflecting right now? Whom are you reflecting right now? What is mattering the most? If we're going to live a life that God has invited us to live, of God actually calling us to be light, and that God is, lives through us and changes the world through us in a world that's addicted to darkness... If we asked, the Hubble telescope, we just put it, we put you in the center of it, what are you all about? What will we see? Will we see a job? Will we see a career? Will, will, we, will we see you stuck in a career path, a drive at work, that maybe started out as a very healthy and great thing for you to achieve, and now it's become something in place of God? I mean, whose agenda are you currently reflecting? When you look at your body and you think about who you are, you say to yourself, "You know, I'm not this, and I don't like this about me, and i got to change that about myself. You're looking at the world around you to determine what beauty is based upon. It's based upon that. But whose beauty are you reflecting right now? Whose desire are you seeking right now? What light are you being drawn to in your life right now? Other than God. Whose desire are you seeking right now? That whose desire has caught your attention and that you are starting to focus on and you're moving towards? Be careful. Because the thing that captures your attention and your eyes, eventually you will move there. You will. What is your life reflecting right now? How might you this Christmas, how might you this next year allow your life to reflect God The God who loved you so much that he sent his one and only son into the world who became light in your darkness. That that same God has called you to be the light of the world. And that sounds so overwhelming. The world? Let's whittle that down then. The light of Tennessee. Eh, It's still too big. What, What about the light of Montgomery County? I don't know how many people live in Montgomery That's that's still pretty big, right? Keep on going. What about the light of Clarksville? There's 150,000 people living in Clarksville. Okay. What about the light in your neighborhood? John chapter 1 verse 14 says this, that the word became flesh and he moved into our neighborhood. You see, all of us, we've moved into some neighborhood. You either live at Hazelwood. You live somewhere maybe off of Exit 8. You live at Exit 11. You live in Oak Grove. You live in Dover. You live wherever. You've, You've moved into a neighborhood. And God has called you to be a light there in that neighborhood. Let's even whittle it down even further. God has called you to to be a light to make a difference in your home, Dad. As you're discipling those preschoolers, Mom, and you're so overwhelmed, and you're like, oh my gosh, will this kid ever stop crying? They will when they leave the house at 18. (laughs) But between age zero and 18, God's called you to be a light in their darkness. So this Christmas... How can you, how can God work through you so that other people will know that God is for them and not against them and that they would ask Jesus into their life so that God is now with them? What can God do through you? Amazing this year. And it's simply just this. As I've been kind of unpacking this in my life, I think it's in the small things. I really do. You know, all of us, we're like, okay, okay, okay. I am ready when, when God does that big thing and, and, you know, he calls me and, you know, and somebody taps me on the shoulder and says, you know what, you're going to be the next president of the United States. Bam, I'm there, right? I, that's a big thing. I can be used by God really big there. Bam, just like that. Guess what? That's probably never going to happen, ever, 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 ever. Or maybe you're, you're really excited, once I actually start the company, and once I become a millionaire, then, oh my gosh, then I can have a huge impact. And then my life can invade the darkness and do some amazing things. If you become a millionaire, I do ask that you tithe. But that's probably not going to happen. Just, you know, I'm being honest with you. Let me tell you, the longer I've lived this life, the more I realize it's in the small things that God calls us to be light in a world addicted to darkness and small things. In fact, I'll show you, and this, this is going to be on the screen up here, this whole idea of being a light is just simply giving what you have been given. Being a light is simply giving what you and I have been given. You see, we're not talking about what might happen or what you may get or the raise that you might get or you may become this and you may get this influential position or you may get this much money and then I'll be the light. No, 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 no. Being a light in the darkness is simply doing and giving what you, God, has already given you. So I'll tell you some small adjustments that I've made recently in my life. And I'm just going to say, as I'm going to impact this, at least with what's happening with me, I can't apply it to what's happening with you, because I don't know you. I, tell you what's, I can apply it to what's happening to me. I want you to be very clear and honest, I don't do this perfectly. And there's still areas of my life that God needs to do some huge, radical transformation in my life. But small things, and let me tell you, just tell you a few of them. One of the things that I do, and I made a decision um, a while back, is I'm going to, once a week, I'm going to try to be out of the office, and I'm going to hang out with people who don't go to church. Because we started this church for people who don't go to church. And if you're not careful, as the pastor, I'm only going to be around people who go to church, right? Um, And I believe Jesus' mission is to seek and to save those who are lost, Luke 19.10. So if that's his passion, that still needs to remain my passion. So I will try to willingly get myself out there for people who may be a little rough around the edges, right? And one of the things that happens is a lot of times I'll go to a restaurant, i go to this, and I'll just set up my computer and I'll just work. I'll, I'll work there all day. And um, I try to always, the, the, the waitresses and the waiters. Any of y'all, if y'all ever worked in the food service industry? Let me see your hands. All right. I, I did briefly, I was a pizza delivery driver, and that's probably the lowest of the low of the food uh, service delivery people, right? Um, but here's what I know, and, if you, if, if, and, and you know this with me if you work there, is it is the most thankless, loneliest, long hours jobs for pennies. Am I right? So you're there, you're on your feet all day long, and a and, lot you know, of times people don't see you and they kind of just look over you. And you try really hard to give them a good experience there. And, and then even when you do give them a good experience, they give you a dollar. Thanks, right? So one of the things that I have uh, that I started doing is I look people into the eyes. All right? And some of you think, well, that's kind of, I mean, they not what you're supposed to. It is. But I want you to look. Most people don't do that in our culture anymore. They're like this. Yeah, I'd like to have this, and if you could put this on the side, and uh, okay. That's what we're doing. We're over here tweeting, Facebooking, on our phones, reading email, playing Candy Crush. One more time. Please don't invite me to play that. Please. (laughs) Y'all going to get me yelling up here. Anyway, but we're down here, we're like this, right? And you're just bebopping and scatting, playing Angry Birds, and the person who's right in front of you, we don't make any eye contact with. So look into their eyes. It's the gift of being present with them, of actually being there in the moment. And here's another thing, is I try to learn their name. If you know me, I am awful with names. I am, right? I just totally am. And I'm always trying to get better at that, but I will say their name, the waitress's name, 18 times because I need that in order to finally be able to get it. There's this one restaurant that... Um, that I've built two relationships with with some of the food service folks there, and their names are Mickey and Alyssa. And one of the things that I do is every time I see them, I always ask them, "Hey, how's everything going? How's your, how's your how's your new relationship? How's that going? You know how how are the kids? And I know this thing is happening with your mom, and how is that going to affect this Christmas? And um, yeah, I mean, and and I will just talk and talk. And some of you are going, uh, "What? That's kind of deep. I don't do it all the first time." You do it over time, you build relationships, right? When I go to a restaurant, I try to ask for the same person. I just do. Because I want to build a rapport and a relationship with them. And I call them my name, and they realize I'm not a fruitcake. And, they, and I'll never forget the very first time, when, you know, what do you do for a living? That's always a, that's always a conversation killer right there. What do you do? I'm a pastor. Oh. I'm gonna go get some more. Uh, and, and they're all, you know what the first thing they think of? Did I just say the S word or the F word or the A word or the C word or the D word or the G word or the LMNOP word? They're always thinking, did I just cuss? Right? But you, you don't start that the first time, you build a relationship over time. And let me tell you, I can tell you about what's happening with Mickey's family. And just last week as I was talking with Alyssa, and she was just, she finally opened up spiritually about where she's at. And, you know, that, that she just struggles with God in church. And she's talked, you know, to um, the significant other in her life. And, and I try not to always push one church. I just try to just be there for them. And eventually, God will open up doors. And in those times, that's when you are light, And that God works through But it's in those small areas that you and I take for granted. It's in those small moments that God wants to do big things in somebody else's life. And maybe even through your life. As I close, three questions. Some of you are like, okay, I don't know if I can do this. I mean, I don't know if I can leverage my stuff, my influence, all this stuff, just to to be light in somebody else's darkness. But here, the small things that reflect the goodness of our God. Good deeds that reflect the greatness of our God. Three questions that will determine whether or not you can actually apply this message. First one is this. Do you have things? Second, do you know people? Third, do you go places? If you can say yes to one or any of those things, then that is an opportunity that God wants to give you so that you can be a light in a world addicted to darkness. That this week, the good deeds that you do, very small, but good deeds, over time, will be like a spotlight of God working through you that somebody else may say, I want to know God with us. I'll actually want to ask Jesus. I want what you got In my life, over time, your good deeds will reflect the greatness of God. But what are you reflecting? Who are you reflecting?